Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. Food became a great, you know, savior for me, a great everything for me, you know, it became my focus. And having said that, it was just, I thought it was normal, you know, eating, overeating, eating whatever you wanted, anything that I had to say about food um, just became my part of my lifestyle. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, this is a very cool one, and one that I think is so just real and authentic, because this is a woman who had been helping people for quite some time, and then had this realization that maybe she was neglecting helping herself. And I think this goes to two points. One... We always have work to do, and there is no shame in that, and that is completely okay and completely normal. I think it's human. I am very skeptical of the individual that claims that they have no work left to do, and uh, believe it or not, I know someone like that. I'm just like, oh my goodness, that is going to be a rude awakening one day. On the other hand, I think the other beautiful part about this is it just goes to show, uh, newsflash peeps, you don't need to be perfect to go out and help other people. Just being the most authentic version of you, you are going to be past and... A past a struggle in your life, or at least a certain, or be at a certain level with it, that you can help someone else. I hope that makes sense. So, coach and author Isabel Chiara had supported hundreds of clients to actualize their life's greatest potential to reconsider obstacles as opportunities and how to meet challenging moments with heart. As much as she had dedicated decades to personal growth and held certifications from dozen of, uh, dozens of spiritual schools, she'd kept her lifelong struggle with food well hidden from her work. Having honed her intuition for decades, nearing her 60th birthday, which you would not believe, she recognized the greatest gem of wisdom on her journey might not glimmer from a distant mystical star, but would be discovered by stepping more fully into the art of self-nourishment into her body. She knew she had to break her own silence about her struggles in order to connect to her physical body to deeply explore embodiment. As it is her gift to help others to transform how they see their struggles, she realized she had to support herself similarly in this capacity. The more she spoke to her community about the quandaries of food choice and body relationship, the more universal her personal story became. From this place, she created Gianna Giovanni, loosely based on aspects of her own story, but presented in a relatable way so that, true to Isabel's nature, her own healing journey could be offered to others. And just to be clear, that's a book. It is something we'll talk about in the uh, episode. And I just thought it was really cool. What a fascinating idea to take a book. And it is, quote-unquote, fiction. Uh, it's a fiction writing. But it's really not. <laughs> you know, but She's kind of writing about this fictional character, and this character is someone who is going through the lessons and teachings that um, Isabel went through. I thought that was really interesting. That's kind of a fun idea. Well, not that I need any more projects in my life right now, so we'll save that for later down the road. <laughs> Without further ado, let's get to the episode. All right, Isabel, thanks so much for being here with us today. Hi, Evan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be fun, and we've been doing this a lot lately if you're an active listener where 
obviously the topics are perfectly uh it's not like so far out from our normal thing but i like deviating a little bit it seems like the listeners are liking it and um mm-hmm. i don't know this is gonna be fun today so i think it's just different enough that it's fresh so we're not gonna really start with the same question uh for those listening or watching of when like your health symptoms started but i am curious as to when your story started and what that looked like and i think that'll make a lot more sense as you start to kind of share that with us right um, so we're actually, oh, my story. Well, my story started, um, pre me, right. It started with my parents because what we're talking about is food and the, um, actual, um, food binging and the actual pattern of your relationship with food. And I wrote a book that was called eat your words. And, um, it was a, um, a actual struggle um, for my lifetime, but it was not anything very secretive. It was not anything that I would actually just discuss with anybody. Like I would never admit that I was struggling with overeating or food binging or anything of that sort. So, um, but we, we, we get to say at some point that, Um, the food became a way to uh, deal with emotional struggles that I had um, or didn't know I had, or just basically how to deal with emotions. Food became a great, uh, you know, savior for me, a great everything for me, you know, became my focus. Um, And so say, having said that um, it was, just, I thought it was normal, you know, eating, overeating, eating whatever you wanted. Anything that I had to say about food um, just became my part of my lifestyle and became uh, a place where I felt very out of control with my own self, with my own psyche. And um, that's what didn't feel good. And it really started really early, early in life. It started in school because I really actually come from an Italian family and I would watch, um, other people pack different lunches than me. You know, (laughs) have you ever, have you ever seen an Italian, um, person pack their lunch? You know, they have like, you know, about four or five items with them and, you know, sandwiches are a little thicker. And, um, so I would pack those kind of lunches. That, That was normal to me. So, um, part of the, Part of what I've learned, you know, moving forward, and I, I know I'm ahead of myself here, is um, that I have a vision or a perception of what the right amount is, right? And I didn't realize till just recently that that picture is like kind of like a stain has stain power in the brain or in the in your visual in your psyche. Um, so if you're always seeing this. Um, I kind of a related I actually wrote a process around this, but I kind of have this vision of like this huge plate all the time. And that's what I think is normalcy. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, from a really early age and, you know, being around um, relatives and being around a lot of other, you know, Italian families. And I'm not saying anything against the Italians, but we, we love food, Right. We love food and, you know, it's not, a, it's a beautiful thing. It's a form of art. Um, so it would, it's like exciting. Like everybody, when, when, when we sit down to eat, it's like exciting, right? 
it's like a grand affair. So um, it's almost like celebratory. So I was raised like that. Well, I definitely think the one aspect there that would be great for all of us to learn from is this celebratory aspect of the family dinner. And it's not like I'm choosing not to do this. I just don't even have an opportunity to do this. But I think that's about as human as it can get. I think this was supposed to be an essential part of like, hey, it's your tribe, it's your family, you know, we're all eating at the same time. And you can feel this on in the USA, you know, like a Thanksgiving dinner or a Christmas dinner or whatever. I mean, it's a special time. And I think that has like really good benefits for our health. But then there's this other side here for you where there might be this kind of skewed view about this stuff. Now, the other thing I want to ask too, because outside of this, um, for those that don't know, I'm in the mental health space. And I went uh, into this space because of mental health challenges that I dealt with. Now, I want to just define something here because binge eating obviously can be a clinical disorder. Um, of course, it could also be just an action that's not a clinical disorder. So when we're kind of talking, because you already had mentioned the binging, which one are we talking about? Are we talking about a clinical thing or just kind of an action, perhaps? I'm calling it an action, but okay, it could be a clinical thing. I just don't term it like that for myself. Because I always, because I, I mean, but it has taken me on a course of, you know, spiritual healing for sure. Um, It's been a gift and it's been also a kind of a lead for me to, it's been, it's brought me to, I mean, places I never, ever would have thought to explore for myself since you're talking about um, the health field. Um, I studied a lot of spiritual modalities uh, in order to really get in tune with myself because, of course, I felt there was something wrong with me. So when you think that, you live a life, you you start to live this life of always questioning everything. And so I set out on my um, healing course and I started with a lot of... um, actually started out with hypnosis, learning about hypnosis, learning about um, creative visualization. I studied with a lot of masters. Um, I went down the, uh, a lot of the, um, how do I say it? A lot of the, you know, master guru type of healers. And um, it turned out to be a fantastic, beautiful, beautiful journey for me that I never would have gotten to experience had I not had this going on and trying to figure out how to heal this part of myself. Sure. Okay. So rewinding then just for a second before, because I know that there's so much to share on the healing side. In terms of the action of binging then, like when did you realize, I mean, maybe it was just even as a kid, because you said eventually you knew something's wrong. When do you realize that that action is not necessarily a normal thing to be doing or something that other people aren't doing? When I, when I noticed that I, that was all I talked about. (laughs) I noticed, I noticed one day um, while I was in college, right? I noticed that well, my whole life became about food. I was actually grown up in the restaurant industry. Um, our family owned restaurants. So besides that, 
um, the, our restaurants were buffet restaurants. And I always joke around and say my life became a big buffet of all these choices of what I can eat, when I can eat and how much. So it's that buffet kind of mentality that I noticed I was kind of, you know, walking down that path. Um, and I started noticing that when I think in my, you know, maybe about 20 years ago. Um, and so I, part of what I think is ha happens is your the energy of what words you are saying to yourself, right? That energy mm -hmm. is kind of how you live your life, you know, it's like in your psyche kind of becomes that feeling. So I was really, when I decided to write this book, I heard actually the words, the words of the book are eat your words. And I actually yeah. heard those words and I was like, yes, that is what needs to be done here. Like actually the words that I'm saying to myself unconsciously is what is needed to be uncovered in order to really look and heal this whole part of my psyche around food and my relationship sure. with food. Okay. This is getting interesting because this, I, I really like this type of stuff. I feel like I have plenty of work to do in this area. And I know that our audience is, I would consider universally aware enough to be like interested in topics like this and understand the importance. So if we're talking to ourselves, you know, kind of on autopilot subconscious way, because you know what? I realized this in just self-help books that I read when I was younger, and I'm not comparing this directly, but it's a similar concept. You know, we don't realize the self-talk that we're having consciously throughout the day, let alone maybe some of the deeper stuff. How the heck does someone even recognize that in their own life and realize like, okay, this is the things that I'm saying to myself. Is there like a tool that you have or a tip maybe? When I do a behavior that kind of leads me down the path of what I'm not trying to do <laughs> to, to get that. I go back and I say, I have to, it's a conscious, it's a conscious action. I go back and I say, what was the feeling? What was the feeling that I had? And what was the saying? What was the words that I was using about that? What did I say to myself? So it's an actual, like, you have to be consciously, saying, I'm going to see what I'm saying to myself. I'm going to, I'm going to hear and see what I'm saying to myself. Um, I, let me just tell you this story because it really played out. It's not really about food. It's about like, uh, it's about a messy desk that I always had my whole life. <laughs> sure. Okay. And I, and I'm just telling you this because it just kind of brings the point home. Um, I have, you know, many people in my office and everybody's desk was clean all the time. And I thought they had more work than me, actually. Um, so I said, what do I say? Well, one day I just sat there in contemplation. You know how sometimes words come to you or you're sitting down and you're like, what? And you're just thinking about something you're like, what, what am I actually saying to myself here? Yeah, absolutely. That, yes. is, that makes my desk just stay with piles of stuff on it. And, you know, I was relating to other people who were like really smart also and really busy people and some leaders that had messy desks. But 
I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to have that anymore because it really kind of affected me, you know, it affected me when I walked in, I felt like a heaviness to my, to my day. And I, and I couldn't get work done because there was so much piled up on my desk, right? Where do you start? So I noticed that I was saying to myself, oh my God, I have so much work to do. Oh my God, I have so much work to do. That was a mantra going through my head. There's nothing more pow powerful than a mantra that's going through your head and saying very specific words. And then if you look outside of yourself, I look at my desk and I would say, oh, I have so much work. It's just evidence of what I'm saying inside. So I did an experiment. And I said, I'm just going to say, oh, my God, all my work is done and there's nothing. It's clear and it's it, it's finished and it's complete. So that I started creating mantras for myself. And I it's I'm not saying it in a way, you know, like, let's let's say mantras, because I have applied it a lot of it to food behaviors also. So I started saying, OK, my desk is clear. My desk is clean. And so what ended up happening is it was interesting with it, by the end of the week, all of the things that were on my desk kind of got completed. Like, I don't, I don't want to say universally, like, you know, I delegated some of it. And so my desk became empty. Like everything was off my desk. I was finished. Things were completing themselves. They and didn't bam, need, there you go. <laughs> they didn't need to be held on to any. It didn't need because I was saying something different. So I th that's my new words. And my desk has always been pretty clear after that. Nice. And I think I, I understood the comparison and why this is relevant. So I think that makes sense. Is a, mm -hmm. you know, I guess I've never really defined that term in my head. Is a mantra in this sense, like similar to a positive affirmation or is there a difference? Um, I'm just, when I'm saying, when, when I say that, when I'm saying the word mantra, I'm actually saying just some kind of, a, some, a wording that you're kind of looping through your head, some kind of thing that's looping through your head. So sometimes we, we say things and it kind of gets stuck, like, you know, like you're in a hamster wheel and it's like going around and going around and going around. It's the same story or the same thing you're saying. So I'm saying it as a, uh, like a looping set of words that we keep saying to ourselves it's kind of like we're informing our brain that i like yeah okay that makes sense like I that, do we're forming the brain okay messy desk a lot of work messy desk a lot of work okay i see it i see it i see it <laughs> got it got it right so it's so then later on in life so when that worked out very well okay I started to um, to apply it in other areas. So I started taking behaviors around food and using and changing what I would say. And I was started to talk to you about the plate, the image of the plate. And I mean, for everybody, it's different. So I'm, I'm can't I can't connect to exactly what everybody's saying, but in my also another vi visual that I had was um the size the portion size of a plate so when i started to get when i started to get hunger pains i up would pop up something right it could be it could be mcdonald's it could be a bag of chips it could be whatever so i would begin to start to see other foods in their place 
So I would answer. It was like I have to take myself off that Ferris wheel or that loop and say, okay, we're going to have this, or we're going to have, we're going to eat this, or we're going to, oh, this is good. We're going to have this. So I would, would shift that whole visual of that plate mm-hmm. um, and either downsize the portion of it and make it like a more colorful, a more healthy plate of food. And I would choose, I would see myself choosing that. I would actually see myself enjoying that and picking that. So it's a one way to, to kind of resolve some behaviors and it might not work right away, but it's a, it's a good, it's a great concept to help deter some of those behaviors. Sure. Well, I think if we've been saying one thing or multiple, you know, not so great things to ourselves for a very long period of time, I think that's expected that it's going to take some work and, you know, continuously doing this. I I think that's perfectly reasonable. And I know I understand now the difference, but, you know, I've done things with, you know, what I call positive affirmations. And I've been very careful about my self-talk over just the last years. It's just, I mean, just being conscious of it, trying to be conscious is Mm -hmm. useful. And then we can kind of retrain because a lot of the time, I I think people believe, and maybe you believe this too. I know I believed it. We're like these, you know, we're, we're slaves to our thoughts. Oh, the thoughts just come in and they control us. And it's like, that's actually not the case. I feel like we've just lost our ability to kind of get control of our own mind sometimes. Well, I think we have to remind ourselves that we're in a process, right? Because it's not going to be black and white, which is where what we'd love to be, right? Black and white. <laughs> Here, I got it. I get it. I get the concept. Now we're just going to do it. You know, it's, it's going to take, it might take one time. It might take 20 times. But if we say, if we let ourselves off the hook and say, okay, well, this is part of the process. I'm still there. I'm still getting there and I'm still on it, you know, and I'm still creating new habits for myself. Um, then we are actually another way to look at that. It helps us to kind of give ourselves some grace. Sure. Right. So- Cause I think that's when you're trying to, to, when a behavior like that, like this, you know, it's all about, really accepting ourselves wherever we are too. Right. I'd love to, because I know that you're obviously very well versed in this. I'd love to directly kind of apply this to a general um, thing that I see with many of the clients at FDN Thrive. And one of those things is, I mean, listen, the people that end up coming to us, they are usually um, quite sick. At least some of them are. They've been sick for a very long time. And because of that, for a temporary period, but uh, period, but just long enough, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, they might have to do what would be kind of looked at from the outside world as maybe kind of a restrictive um, diet, you know, and it is going to work. And then they can kind of reintroduce things as they've you know done their healing. But I know how challenging that can be to someone in the midst of a health crisis, especially because for so many of these individuals, unfortunately, the crappy food and the sugar and all this stuff, that's like their main source of pleasure because they are so unhealthy that, you know, really barely anything else gives them joy. So if I'm that type of person, Isabel, that's like, all right, I know this is going to work. I know I can do this. I know I'm going to be able to reintroduce it one day. 
I just got to be a little tight for now to really get the results that I want. How would you help, you know, someone like that? And what can they start to do maybe and apply today? So what I help people do is actually, um, I'm, I write processes for people and I come up with them and right in the, in the moment and that I'm working with them of what exactly they're, what is it they're really wanting at that moment? And I go, I get, I get debt right down to what the emotion is. And the one thing that I'm really keen on right now is separating. They're really, I think they're really reacting to something, some outside stimulus, some feelings that they're having. And then they, they have the feeling, feeling food, right? F then F. And then they there's no like separation it's like it's that it's that food controlling them right so the first thing i think is to create a separation between the food the craving the food craving and the actual emotion which is a very another thing that they have to be super conscious about. So they could just start out by just to notice it, that when you're having an emotion, food doesn't need to be the answer. So kind of creating a separation between food being an answer and something else being an answer. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Did I explain that correctly? Yeah. So, so if our, if, if we have an emotion and every time we have an emotion, we do food, then we're training our bodies to do food after every emotion. Right. So we get to say, um, just anything. I don't care what it is. It could be clapping. Um, for me, I started turning around three times (laughs) just to, (laughs) just to, just to figure out, just to, to tell my body, you know, there's something else, right? It's not right, food. Right. There's something else here. And then at least you're creating a pause. Cause I know if you tell people to pause, forget it, you know? Um, so it has to be like a behavior or something else. Cause you're really grabbing for food. You're looking for something, you know, food, your whole brain is obsessed with it. Um, so it's creating another movement and just a- to say, Oh, not food this time, something else. That's such um, a good point about no one pausing. And so it should be a behavior instead. I mean, that is so unbelievably true. How many times I've heard throughout my time in the functional space, you know, like pause while eating or whatever. And it's not like I don't do that, but I certainly have plenty of work to do. And it's just, yeah, when you give someone a behavior action, our type A society, do it in a heartbeat, you know, but (laughs) actually stopping, gosh forbid, for a second. that's cool. I, I think that that to me was just that stuck out because I like truths like that that are like they seem obvious, but they're really not um, unless you're you know consistently working with a lot of people. And that's kind of, um, you know, where I want to shift this next, because I definitely want to talk about your book and some of the main points of it. And of course, where people can find it. So I know um, I love your transparency in the bio. And obviously, the audience got to hear that, you know, before you and I hopped on together. And the fact that you had worked with, you know, hundreds of clients, and then you're kind of having this realization that maybe, you know, there needs to be um, some work done with the food. And I know that we have kind of already touched on that. And then we even touched on the parts like afterwards, like, but when did you 
and maybe it's still a work in progress and that's okay. Everyone that comes on this show is, that's for sure. But is this still it's, something it's that you still, actually- Just so you know, it is so a work in progress still. It's a, it's a, it is a work in progress. It's, sure. it's still, how could it not be? Yeah, yeah I, as I said it, I was like, okay, like, all right. But the end yeah. goal, the end goal is real neutrality with food, you know. And I like to, you know, that real feeling of I'm here I am with food. It's neutral, just yeah, right. Okay. Well, then I'd word it like this then, actually, because I, thank you for saying that. I think obviously you've made great progress. So, how has the journey been from having this realization, like, oh my gosh, like I need to actually like do something about this, to where you're at now, and like maybe what are some of the differences? I know I'd love to yeah. hear that. Well, you know, I think the book was my way of saying, all right, you know what, you got to do it now, <laughs> right? You have no choice. So um, <laughs> the book, well, the book was, you know, I wasn't, I was not definitely going to put the book out. Uh, because I, you know, I don't, didn't have, I don't have a, didn't have a solution. And I always thought, well, if you're going to put something out, you know, it's about solutions. But the truth is the, the real reason the book was written was to lay out, lay everything out and be really conscious about, you know, the struggles, the patterns. Um, And it's written in a third person. So the name of the character, her name is Gianna Giovanni. And she's like this fun, flippant woman that was, well, that just every time she wants to, she, every time she wants to disconnect from people or disconnect from her life, she's like, oh, I don't care. I'll just have a Doritos or I don't care. I'll just have a donut, you know? So she has an answer for everything. So she can just move forward in her life, but totally out of her body and totally disconnected. Um, which is similar to a lot of the life I've been living myself. And it was time to um, put my own life, you know, under like almost like under a camera, under a, you know, microscope on some level. Um, And through her, allow myself to heal also uh, through this character. And part of, I think that um, part of the journey is sharing and coming clean, like coming forward with struggles, the stories um, on, and a lot of the concepts, like redefining a lot of the concepts of what, you know, my life became about, you know, a lot of, I talk about in here is um, escape. I call myself the greatest escape artist right? (laughs) I would escape anything, a conversation if I wanted to, and I would just use food as the, you know, my, my drug, my drug du jour. And um, so, um, but it goes, the story is so interesting because she embarks on a healing path and she lives, uh, she describes a lot of these healing modalities that are uh, that help her come to consciousness, that help her get in her body um, and containerize her on some level, right? Put her in a container to get her like feeling, you know, because it's easy to go through life and not feel anything. Right. And, and so I love yeah. that you took this perspective of like, some of my favorite books of all time, uh, Celestine Prophecy, The Alchemist, they've taken these principles that we can learn from and, you know, turned it into a 
fiction book, but obviously there's many real things in there. And I love what you said about your you're kind of going through your own healing while doing this. And I think this is such a big thing for so many people out there. I know that we're primarily talking to people on the um, customer side of FDN, you know, our clients that come, but I got to say to the practitioners out there, guys, like you don't have to be perfect to help people. Oh my gosh. If you're waiting for yeah. perfection to serve others, you're going to be waiting a long time. I'm, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm glad you, I'm glad you're saying that because the truth is that's that was one of my concerns like that i had to be perfect i can't i can't talk to anybody about this until i have it all straight and done but you know i didn't that wasn't what this book was about the book was about i do this maybe you do this and maybe you could look at why i did it and maybe you could relate to it so that you sometimes other people outside of you or other people that you read about or other people that are doing things in life resonate with you in such a way that you're like, I do that. And I, now I'm conscious of, I didn't realize I was doing that. And I do think that, and I do feel that way. And sometimes just that heals someone. And so that's what, when I figured out that I, I was doing it for other people too, then I said, Oh my God, then I could do it. Right. Cause then I don't have to be cause eating and your relationship with food is such a everyday thing. You know, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. No. And that was what, that was the biggest, like, I'm not going to talk to anybody about it. I'm not going to interview. I'm not going to discuss it. I'm just going to write this. And who cares? I wrote it for myself. At the end of the day, I was like, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, can I know it's not the exact same thing, but certainly it similar enough. Like I had um one of my things and reasons that I got into the functional space was severe cystic acne. And I resolved this greatly. Now, every now and then, especially if I go away from my normal routine, I can still get a little something, you know, and it happens. And it was like so funny that I was unwilling to share my transformation photos. I mean, Isabel, like I had hundreds of breakouts on my face at one point. And I was embarrassed to share a transformation photo where I had three acting as if like, I need, you know, <laughs> model level skin to do you it. Did it. Cause you didn't have the perfect face. Right. How, and it's so <laughs> ridiculous thinking about now, but it's like, that's what we get ourselves into. And, and yes. it, it's so silly because let's just be honest. If I'm someone that was actually coming to someone to work with them because I wanted to get my cystic acne resolved, who would I rather the person that had clear skin their entire life or the person that made that transformation? I take that second person every single time they get right. me. They understand what I've been through. Right. For sure. Well, even the, even the depth and the quality of the, the conversation about it and the struggles around it, you want somebody to relate to the, your struggles, what it did to you, what it made you feel like having that. Right. Yes. That's what you want them to understand because then they would be really on it to help you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's like a genuine empathy there. It's like, I understand it. Um, right. I've said this before on the podcast because this has come up in a different way. It's like, you know, that person with perfectly clear skin, they don't understand what it's like to have this obsession with the acne where you check the mirror 200 times a day just to look at the same thing that you looked at before thinking that it's going to somehow change. It becomes an obsession. That's something mm-hmm. only I can empathize with as someone who's been through it. And just like you with your own story, you know, there's something so cool about people that are 
you're you're leading the way. That's what it is. It's like, hey, I'm doing my own thing too. I'm trying to figure this out, but hey, I'll lead the way here, and maybe you can learn from something on this journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the coolest stuff. I think yeah. our space in general, and even society, just a smaller minority of the general population, we're moving towards this. I think social media has actually brought this out in a great way of like authenticity and vulnerability, and like, hey, you know what? I'm not a perfect human. By the way, no one is, and let's just acknowledge that and stop pretending. And you know what? I've been a little farther down this road. Maybe I can help you out. I think that's going to lead to, I don't know. That's going to be a beautiful thing as everyone kind of adopts that and just recognizes, hey, none yeah. of us are perfect. Let's stop acting like we are. Let's just yeah. jump it on Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that things switched like that? Because when we were growing up, I don't know how you grew up, but it was like, don't tell anybody how you really feel. Uh, you know, we were growing up with that kind of conversation in the house. And yep. you're like, okay, I'm not going to tell anybody anything. Right. <laughs> you know? I know. You, you, you said it really well. I had these, uh, the mental health side for me, you know, that cystic acne. Yes. But I also had severe mental health issues and yes, did I have a great support network? Sure. But just the societal standard of like, I mean, this was like 20, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. looking back now, like, I mean, it's changed so much in, you know, a hundred years, uh, the mental health stuff, but like it was still changing 20 years ago. It's still changing now. Like, yeah, you really didn't walk up to your friend and say, um, Hey, I feel like I can't breathe. And like, I'm going to die. Like, you know, a panic attack. And now when I'm in schools and whatever, I actually hear kids, they talk about this openly. And I think that's really cool. It's just, that's how it should be, man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's so funny. Like we act like all this like social media stuff's like completely edited too, you know? And we all know this. We can have a one-on-one conversation with anyone and address that. And then we like pretend that that's not what's happening when, when we're viewing social right. and we feel bad. It's like, right. guys, like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think okay. the people, I think people that have a lot of followers and stuff are people that are super honest and super, you know, relatable. Mm -hmm. It's certainly shifting that way. And that's a beautiful thing. Okay. So first of all, um, I know that we have said the name of the book a couple of times, but I want to just, can you give it to us one more time? And especially now this time, where can people find this if they're interested in this? So um, actually I have a, on my website, I have the first chapter that is, uh, downloadable that everybody can get. And so the book, my website's called is Isabel, I S A B E L dash Chiara, C H I A R A.com. And my book is called eat your words. And so you get the first chapter download downloadable and you'll see, um, it's the same style going throughout it. So you'll see it kind of like get you in. It's a lot of historical background, um, on, um, our Italian fam on our Italian family. So it's really fun and it's really interesting. Um, and the other thing is, is I have a, um, membership site that's going up and it's called, uh, happy, which means, um, healing activation process healing activation process integrations. And I call it happy H A P I. And that's also going to be, uh, available to sign up for. And it's bringing people into their inner psyche, like their inner process and really feeling where things started with them. And really by going within it's, Allow, you're allowing to shift behaviors, shift our beliefs, and really look at ourselves from the inside out, which creates changes in our behavior on the outside. Um, it's a pretty profound membership that I have going on, and I keep creating processes 
and um, it's just to help more people on a larger scale. So I'm excited about that also. So the book's called Eat Your Words. They can get it through Amazon. They can also get it from my website. Okay, very cool. And then I think it's somewhat self-evident, but I always do this with anyone that comes on like as a practitioner. I like them to describe kind of like their ideal client. And I'm not going to ask that, but I'd love to know like in your head, who is the ideal reader? Who needs to read this book? Um, well, first of all, I think everybody. <laughs> of course, I'm going to say that. <laughs> but um, it's just, it's anyone who struggles with any kind of addictive behavior, because it could be also, it doesn't need to be food. It could be shopping. It could be, you know, I'm addicted to working a workaholic all day long. You know, it could be, you know, someone that's actually, a, you know, using uh, drugs or any kind of medicine too, because it's, you know, highlighting, you know, different events in this woman's journey in her life and then how she starts to unravel her own psyche, her own words, because we say words to ourselves no matter where we are, right? No matter where we are in our life. Even if some people have the most empowering words, we're still saying things to ourselves, you know, so it's good to know what they are. It's good to be right. conscious of what they are. That's the that's a big step in the healing process. The first step. Cool. Well, to finish up the podcast, we always ask like our signature question, and I don't think it's completely irrelevant at all to ask you. Uh, but I will change one word. And the question I'm going to finish with is: If Isabel had a magic wand, and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health or self, you could answer that either way that you'd like. What is that one thing that you would get them to do? Ah, good one. You almost had me stumped, but I got it. Um, it's to look at their life as a range of possibilities. So we sit there and sometimes and we judge ourselves or we judge our life and we're judging it under the scope of some kind of maybe a negative perception. It's to open that perception up and look at it as a, in a range of possibilities that is like it's happening. This is happening for us. So in that kind of respect, if it's happening for us, this is like an, a positive experience that we're going through that will bring us and lead us to this other greatest possibility in our life. What a cool woman, right? I just, I, and again, I knew that you guys couldn't see the video, but I just don't believe that this woman is like 60. You know, you really just don't, I don't know. I, I think it just goes to show that age is nothing but a number. And it excites me because I feel like I'm someone, I'm like, how on earth am I just going to check out of here at 60 or 70 or 80? And it looks like I don't have to. <laughs> this crazy person, that's me, will be here for a very long time. <laughs> so if you guys like this type of content, let me know. You can go to Podbean, um, search the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive on a platform called Podbean. You can message us there. We just switched over there from Anchor, so no longer will we receive messages on Anchor. And let me know, though. I would love some feedback to figure out if this is a good way to kind of switch things up every now and then. Again, as said in the beginning, we will never deviate or leave um, a deviate away or leave the holistic healing stories of chronic illness, autoimmune disease, cancer. But I think adding these 
slightly different stories in that still give some great perspectives. I think that's really useful and it's cool. And it seems like you guys like them. The downloads are good. So let me know though um, in text, that would be greatly appreciated. And hey, if you like this information and you would be so kind, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just search for The Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this one and I will be back soon with another interview. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button.